Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's going on, Trailblazers fans? This is the Blazers Edge podcast. As always, you can find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, anywhere you're looking for us for your podcast needs. And this is the All-Star Break edition. And as we head into it, it was kind of looking like only to have one thing to point to in CJ McCollum in the three-point contest. But lo and behold, we've had quite a uh, turn of events. As always, I am joined by our managing editor of Blazers Edge, Dave Deckard. Dave, I guess I could go ahead and let you uh, take this one down the flagpole, so to speak. Yeah, well, joined for the last time. I'm I'm sorry to report to you, Dan, that we've traded you to Sacramento for Tate Upton and a slightly used Maserati. Oh, so I uh, take, that's a deal I can go with. Well, yeah, because you're Dan That's approximate value. <laughs> If that Maserati works at all, we're going to be good. Uh, but, yeah, uh, of course, DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, everybody right now, the everybody's getting cranes and winches to get their jaws off the floor. Uh, most of all, Kings fans, and if you have not been following Kings fan Twitter, you have missed out. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins traded for God knows what but none of it good. I mean, even the first-round picks are protected. I mean, lightly protected, but still. And, by the way, you traded him to a team with Anthony Davis, so those picks, it's not like they're going to be terrible. So, yeah, for mid-round picks, you trade away an all-NBA player with a checkered past, colored reputation, of course, but still, I mean, Dan, you and I have talked about this guy and his 28 points a game and his absolutely stellar production and how jaw four. Yeah. Uh, how how jaw dropping his ability is and perhaps worth the headaches, especially if he's not the guy you depend on to save your franchise. And now the Pelicans will get to take advantage of that, and the Kings are left with an empty bag of half-eaten JoJo's and uh, a little swab of ranch dip. Oh, man, it's not even ranch. It's like stale blue cheese. I tell you what, before I go into this any further, you know who the biggest fan of this trade is other than DeMarcus Cousins? Sam Presti. I, I... Sam Presti. Because oh, you know why? <laughs> Nobody will question the stupidity of the James Harden deal ever again because... This one will take up 10 to 20 minutes of your conversation about dumb deals in NBA history, and you'll just forget about it. It's, it's, I mean, uh, this is like, okay, <laughs> this is seven Kings fans going, damn you, 2017. Damn you, 2016. It just, the entire uh, millennium. There will be a millennium from now. People will be going, hey, you remember that thing that happened in 2016 with DeMarcus? And yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. Now, okay, could Cousins flame out? Of course he could. Would the Pelicans suffer the cost, overly though? if he did? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god! You gave up Buddy so, Heald, and you sent. Yeah. And you know, you know who the worst this is working out for is poor Tyreek Evans. Tyreek escaped Sacramento, and has injuries just kind of pile up on him in New Orleans, and now he's getting packaged up and sent back to Sacramento with no cousins. I mean, yeah, when, man, you want to talk about okay. just taking it. You know who it's going to work out worse for is Buddy Heald. If no. this dude does not begin scoring 25 points a game, the Kings fans are going to roast him. Well, I mean, maybe they'll have some perspective and just roast their owner and G GM instead, but chances are they'll do both. I mean, everything he does. Okay, look. Dude could score 20 points in a game and receive nothing but a smattering of ironic applause. Like, oh, that figures. They gets 20 once. Who cares? I mean, DeMarcus was, ah, it's, it's bad. Average. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Pelton on Twitter last night, and Kevin's not usually one to, to sprinkle shade, and he, he, he 
opened up a giant bag of it and dumped it out. And he said, is Buddy Heal the most Kings draft pick ever not drafted by the Kings? And I was like, what about Jim? Oh, crap. What about Nick Stowski? Oh, good God. Ben Mack. Oh, my God. This is the most Kings draft pick ever. I mean, you just go up and down the list and you're like, oh, he has all kinds of potential air quotes everywhere. And it just doesn't materialize into anything. And I, and I don't want to rag on Buddy Heel because he's still just a rookie. But man, if you're talking about an archetype player for a franchise, that, I mean, that's 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 what they've been for the past 15 years. It's okay. brutal. So I'm not big on depending on rookie stats. I'm really not big on cocktail stats like PER. Okay, but. <laughs> Okay, DeMarcus Cousins, PER, granted favors big man. There are problems with the with the cocktail. Got it. Still, PER, 26.6. Remember, folks, 15 Buddy is Heald. average. Buddy Heald's PER, 9.9. In other words, you can take Buddy Heald away from DeMarcus Cousins and still have at least an average, slightly above average player. I mean, that's just... And this is the thing I mean, is, that, that New Orleans team is like, it's bereft of guard help. Like, the, the opportunity is there. If you just don't suck, you, you have the chance to have all the minutes you want. Giroux's been banged up. Frazier's been basically their point guard for, you know, the entirety of the season with Holiday kind of working his way back after dealing with family issues. Tyreek's banged up. That whole backcourt is just kind of a hodgepodge of guards and you have all the opportunity in the world to be successful and you're not and you have anthony davis in your team you're you're not even getting defenses targeting you so what's the excuse i just i can't take my right hand off my forehead it's it's permanent somebody says kings and it just goes there uh, and that's from all reports the only reason this package was acceptable was because the King's ownership, Vivek Ranadive, is mildly, moderately, horribly obsessed with Buddy Heald. I don't, I don't know what level it is, but that's the only realm in which this trade makes sense, right? Well, I guess you can say that, you know, Buddy's usage rate is a lot lower than DeMarcus's, so... There'll be way more shots for Ben McLemore now. I mean, <laughs> if you're an Aaron Aflalo fan, this could be a good move for you. But Fanny, yeah, draft I, fantasy pickups for everyone. Yeah, I just, I, I almost, almost speech. And, and did you hear? Uh, I believe it was reported they're going to cut Mac, Matt Barnes to make this work. Yes, and they're waving and, Langston Galloway. Yes, and Matt Barnes was the dude they got this year to make it work. Yeah. The dude they just got at the beginning of the season. This was their off-season move. And now they're dumping Cousins and saying goodbye to Matt Barnes. Uh, it's, what? <laughs> there's just so many things going on here. And rumors are coming out that the Sacramento Ownership Group, Management Group, went to the Boston and they asked for the world. And if you've... Heard any of the rumors with dealing with Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge has to win every trade. So that's believable. But there's also rumors that are coming out that the Nuggets would have made the move for Cousins for anyone not named Jokic. Anyone. That's Jamal Murray, who's rapidly risen up um, as far as the rookies are concerned. Um, and they have a bevy of assets uh, as, as far as young players are concerned. And yeah. you went with New Orleans? Yeah. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. conference, and you just gave the Pelicans, and I, I know this this is going to sound like slander, but a more talented Twin Towers than the Spurs had. This isn't to say that it's intangibles and all that stuff. DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, as far as talent go, you're talking about two of the most talented players in the NBA at their positions in the past 25 years. That's insane for peanuts. I, yeah. Mm. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, I guess... They didn't take on much cap obligation. I mean, there's there's just no there's no way to make this make sense for Sacramento other than you done screwed up. I mean, you 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 have you seen a single person who said that this was an okay move by any stretch of the imagination? Okay, let's put it this way: 
if DeMarcus Cousins is everything you said he was and he is horrible and a franchise killer, you still screwed up. You could have gotten more. You could have gotten more, right? I mean, that's the thing. And then you see what... They, they, it's like they doubled down on stupidity. The, the, the Sacramento Kings TV guy is, t- is sitting there on Twitter as soon as the deal's announced, basically saying good riddance. Like, he was the yeah. problem. And I'm just like, okay, maybe the PR department maybe needs to rein that back in a little bit because everybody and their mother right now is calling your entire organization about the dumbest people that exist in the entire sporting world. So... Well, you know- but this is the thing. I mean, this, the PR machine works to justify whoever makes the decisions, There's right? There's no and winning is... that press conference. I mean, we've heard about the Bulls and, and then their penchant for wanting to win the press conference. There is literally nothing you can do to win this press conference. No, you hide. Hey, you know what? Rudy Gay, he's not. <laughs> Rudy he, Gay's going, he, like, I'm well, staying injured. I'm, yeah, no, no. Well, I'm, this is either that or he's going to come back in the last 20 games and take 800 shots a game. Like he just, those are the, those are the only two. I mean, there's nothing. Is there a reason for Sacramento to suit up at this point there? They just might as well walk away from the season right now. And, and by the way, cover their heads for the next, they can make their draft pick, whatever, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a long time, probably, unless a miracle happens before Sacramento is relevant this again. Move. If you listen, I mean, Adrian Wojnarowski is is the guy, and he came out and said it as soon as the deal was done. Was that basically everyone is now looking at the Kings organization, Vladivac and and Renadiv, and they don't trust them because of how they treated the cousin, or handled the cousin, the cousin situation. That's that's yeah. that's huge if if you were to believe that. If all of the well, agents I, and players and everybody else that are out there are sitting there now saying, ah, <laughs> "No, no, you you if you come out and say something like that, the deal's done basically." And then you what was it? How long how long ago was that? Was that even 3 weeks ago? Yeah, it was about that. Good god. That's just nuts. But to see, I'm not sure it matters as much if the league trusts them as soon as they have something quality to offer, the league will trust them enough Fleece to try to sniff around that. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the problem is that you can't, the, the people who can't trust Sacramento is Sacramento. I mean, wouldn't you look in the mirror and say, Oh my God, this is it. I have a problem. I have to check myself into a 12 step program or something. Cause I just, I, I not only hit rock bottom, I tunneled through it and am now in a molten core of suckiness. Please somebody give me some kind of something to get me off of whatever I'm on that I made this deal. Now let's talk about the Pelicans for a minute. Uh, Obviously, you have to believe this leapfrogs them into eight, right? I mean, they they now become the favorites. I think it's still between them and Denver. It's still between them and Denver. Even as good as Cousins is, and the familiarity that Davis and Cousins both have, uh, while they didn't play together, they were both Kentucky products. Um, And they play together in all-star games and and Team USA and that kind of stuff. So there's some of that there. Um, They still have to integrate and Alvin Gentry's system uh, in in New Orleans is weird to say the least. Uh, he's trying. But to... Alan Alvin Gentry is the guy who's all but killed Anthony Davis, yeah. or did at least his first year. So, like, oh, if you okay, if you come into a team and Anthony Davis is at the middle of it, and you're not featuring Anthony Davis, you've got a problem. Yeah, you but can't anyway. runs the you can't run the Golden State offense where you have four or five shooters and passers on the floor when you have one shooter and passer on the floor. That's Right. You need to get AD the ball and shut up about everything else. Now you've got two of those guys. So I don't know how well Gentry will adjust to be successful. That's why I'm still leaning towards the Nuggets. But as far, I mean, you're talking about talent, you could throw three guys out there that are just relative unknowns around those guys as long as they can knock down a shot and they're going to be in every game. So if they figure it out, yeah, they, they, they could definitely make – uh, an interesting push for eight. I, really, outside of the the, the top seven, uh, the race for eighth is always gonna was always gonna be ugly. But I think between Denver and New Orleans now, it could actually be be really fun down the stretch. Um, the other I thing think is they is could that, not they no, could not figure it out and still make eighth. I mean, I, just, I, not I think that, Denver's not just like figuring that. it out. 
That, I guess that's yeah. what I just kind of go back to. But yeah, now nah, look, there's at any given point, most opponents in the league are going to have a problem during the regular season coping with that that one-two punch. Not just because they're talented, but because you don't see it. I mean, yes, teams game plan f- for other teams specifically, but there's a lot of, here's what we do, here's what we do best by percentages, this is what we're basically going to do every night. And right now, the Pelicans are going to break that. And I don't think, I, now, in the playoffs, seven games to prepare, et cetera, et cetera, a d- different, different matter. But during the regular season, I think just the New Orleans oddness gives them a decent chance to win a lot of games in the short term. Now, granted, they could completely implode. And by the way, I'm a little more nervous for Anthony Davis than Anthony Davis is because I think there's potential there for this to be not a very fun thing for him. But even so, I, I don't. The, the bottom spot is so weak, including Denver, that I, I think they'd really have to blow it in order to not make a serious run at that spot. Yeah, it's two things here. One, I think the happiest person in all of this is Tim Frazier, right? He, I, oh, he's, yeah. got, he's got cousins and AD. He's, I mean, yeah. you, you pick and roll, pick and pop, run an ISO. I mean, how simplified is the offense for you now? You just here, have fun. Here's dude. your choices. You got alley-oop left side of the rim, <laughs> alley-oop right side of the rim. There you go. One Dump or the in other. for post-up, two points. Uh, pick and roll, yeah. two points. I mean, it, it's going to be really fun for him and good for him. Um, yeah. The second thing here is what this, what this does is, uh, hey, Portland, you if you were wondering what was going to happen now with that eighth seed, just go ahead and just tap the brakes, just tap the brakes and just tap the brakes, tap the mat, dude. I mean, (laughs) but it's going to be those two kind of fighting it out and there's no reason to push for it. And I know people are going to get all irritable and I know Damian Lillard isn't going to want to do it and he's not going to do it. Neither will see me McCollum. And, but the thing is, as, as an organization, it takes, Dame, hey, you're going to sit out for a couple days or a couple weeks and you get your foot or your ankle right. Um, hey, Napier, you're going to get more time. Hey, Myers, you're going to get more time. Hey, Pat, you're going to get more time. That's just that's the the nature you know, of this. You know this all but guarantees that the Blazers make eighth now that you've said that. Oh, you, you, right? You're, that's just straight up that's going to happen. But We'll so, have a but, live but, self-destruction but, of, of my laptop if that happens. It's... Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing, though, that uh, here's the thing that people are going to ask and people are going to want us to address, of course. The Trailblazers, well, okay, look, (laughs) a local AAU team could probably make a better offer than the Kings ended up accepting. Uh, There are 28 other teams who are going, huh? Uh, Why couldn't I trade half my garbage for a shot at at, uh, DeMarcus Cousins? The Trailblazers definitely would have had need for the guy. Why were the Blazers not in that conversation or winning that deal, considering they had three first-round picks to dangle? Um, They have talent that's probably as good as Buddy. uh, And, you know, obviously maybe not quite on the same contracts, but still, what's wrong with Portland or is there something wrong with Portland or why did this deal not get done? The consensus seems to be that Nobody was willing to really take the risk of Boogie not re-signing and him self-destructing. Now, I know we've talked about it, but I don't know how much of it is Sacramento or people that are anti-Boogie or if that's just the case. But over the last two weeks, I've heard more negativity around Cousins and uh, agents of other players saying they wanted out of Sacramento because of him that people didn't want to go there because of him. And I don't know how much truth there is that, man, a ton of it was pouring out before the trade. And after the trade, it was just somebody opened the, opened the pipe and it was just flooding out. So that could be a, a, a precursor to why Portland may not have been interested in the deal. Who knows? Maybe Olshay did call and Ranadive again was more in favor of Heald. And the thing is, is people need to realize with, with Buddy Heald, there's not like this huge age gap between Buddy and, and Crab. I mean, Buddy's a four-year college guy, so they're a year apart. There's <laughs> the the big difference here in in what they are is money. It's 
rookie salary versus $17 million a year and right. whether or not Ranadive favored one over the other. And if you believe the reports, he was infatuated with Buddy Heald. So. Which, okay. D- dude, this is when you get an intervention. This is when your friends come. This is Jerry Jones in Buddy... the late 90s with the Cowboys. Uh, yeah. That's what this is. I'm not saying Buddy can't be a good player, okay? I don't, I don't want to bag on him either because he's a rookie. I mean, who knows? Could be pretty darn good at some point. Yes, but seriously, if you are like gaga over... Buddy, he'll you. Your friends need to sit you down and say, first, dude, beer goggles off. Second, we need to have a talk about your life choices because something is not going right there. But I think the uh, the, the the salient point for Portland's sake, I have to believe, is that they simply were semi convinced that they'd have trouble re-signing him. And by the way. That's justified given their recent track record. That's justified considering Cousins might well be a loose cannon. And by the way, as much as I would have loved to have had him alongside Lillard and McCollum, Lillard and McCollum get a lot of shots, like their shots. I mean, would there be enough feeding of each other? I mean, if it worked, it could be amazing. There could also be some bitterness there. I don't give a rip about chemistry, and I don't care what you think, even if he had the potential to implode. I say you go get the 28. Implode 28 and 12 all over my court. I'm good with that. (laughs) But the problem would be, again, convincing him to resign if there was any tension, if there was friction, what have you. And basically, the Blazers are going okay we already got burned giving for what we dinged him for a couple weeks ago you know at some point we gave away will barton for you know aaron aflalo and traded away our future and that was stupid uh because it turned out we needed that future uh this we'd be doing it over again in a bigger way with probably a couple draft picks and a young player. My argument would be it's okay because Cousins is exponentially greater than the return you got the other way. But you look exponentially more stupid if it doesn't work out, and maybe they had a pretty good inkling that it wasn't going to work out. And so uh, offering a couple of draft picks, especially if it was their own that would have been a no-go because you're giving away future assets for basically nothing because you're not going to win the title this year. Yeah, you had to believe they at least tested the waters. I mean, if, if you would that, hope. Yeah, I mean, if that was the case, you know, when <laughs> when the, when they're the deal that they ultimately got, you have to believe that somebody tested the waters. Otherwise, there are 28 GMs right now putting their head through a wall because I, I can't emphasize enough. How terrible of a deal this was! I, I, there's, there's we literally, did. I mean, there's yeah. literally not yeah, a way to go into that. The, the, no, I, but okay, so, gosh, the the lower two draft picks, the Memphis, Cleveland, and Allen Crab, would you have done that even if you were afraid Cousins was going to walk? Yeah, that. Yeah, if you kept that first round pick that was yours, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, uh, I think I would too. I mean. Love the deep draft. Love Olshay's ability to to work in it. But, you know, mid to late round draft picks, even a couple of them, eh. And especially given the Lillard McCollum timeline. I mean, if if you could get one, let's put it this way. You have three first round draft picks. But look, if you can get one solid starter out of those three, you're probably considering that a pretty good draft. Uh, overall, I mean, not given the three for one ratio, but a given year, if you get a starter out of the draft, you did well in that draft. Especially when you well, have three starters then with Dame, CJ, and Cousins. You're, yeah, you're, you're exactly. just looking for piecemeal at that point in time. You head into the offseason with, you know, a vet minimum uh, or a, a MLE to find somebody who's a ring chaser, who's a floor spacer or sixth man or whatever. That's That's the way you end up well, going in that case. And it's not like you don't still have Harkless and Minu under contract. You know, you have Myers Leonard under contract. Uh, so it's not like you're losing anybody besides the guy you traded. So, yeah, I, I think I still would have done that, even though in retrospect that might have looked bad. But, I mean, for instance, my complaint with the Flalo was partially the timing, yes, but also it's Aaron Aflalo. I mean, what are you going to do with them? Uh, even even in context, to me, you had a lot of wings there. You had wings waiting in the wings, and you still got this guy to do what? He wasn't going to push you over the top. DeMarcus Cousins, he's 
like he he is over the top. I mean, he immediately makes you something. Now, granted, Sacramento, you're gonna go Sacramento, kind of suck, but okay. Sacramento had years of mismanagement with this guy and years of horrible draft picks with this guy, and people were still saying, well, with the right one or two players, this guy will be. That's Fantastic. a franchise that in 10 years hit one draft pick. They they had a chance to pick Damian Lillard. They didn't pick him. I mean, yeah. Yeah. if they, you just they go just up and down the list, things. there's a million things that they could have gotten one thing right, one single thing right, would have changed the fortune of their, of their franchise. But they yeah. continue to screw it up. So this deal just doesn't so you, surprise me. You would have been on the phone saying, lower two draft picks, Alan Crabb, no problem. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a relatively fair asking price if that's what they ended up taking. I wonder how many teams just didn't ask because they figure it's just going to be rejected out of hand. Well, uh, and the, the irony of all this went, is a few months oh, ago we're, we're talking about would you be willing to give up Dame or CJ for DeMarcus Cousins? And it turns out that it's Dame or CJ's you know, bobblehead that was traded for him. Yeah, exactly. And well, and see, the thing is that 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 still, in some ways, would have been a legitimate deal. But could Vlade Divac have done any more to drive the value down? I mean, like you said, he announces three weeks ago that he's never ever going to trade the guy. So just scare away all prospective offers. Then come back, kind of put him on the market. Apparently, he said that three days ago he had a better offer. God knows what that was. I mean, you couldn't have had a worse one. So I guess any would qualify. That's I mean, that's believable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then you see the deadline coming and you go, oh, crap, I better do it. And, yeah, you, you could not. This is not how to sell an asset. So, and the, anyway. And the thing is, though, he could have run this thing out to the deadline. We're, as we're recording this, we're, what, we're three days away still. Yeah, 72 hours. I guess he wanted like, to save money on Boogie's plane ticket and leave him in New Orleans. Yeah, I could have floated that and said, yeah, here's, can you do better than this? Everybody. We'll, we'll yes. put him in first class. Deal. Yeah. Oh, God. Apparently, apparently Boston didn't didn't end up wanting him, some kind of character thing. But, dudes, look, how can you be, how can you not be the team to take a chance on dude? How can you not be the, ah, okay. okay I got to say, we got to talk we're, about, we're going in we circles talk about here, something but else. Yeah, this, talk is, about something this is else. so yeah. ridiculous. Okay. Let's talk point. about Portland's. Yeah, talk about you blew our minds. You blew up our podcast. Let's talk about Portland Center, the one they did get. Nurkic uh, came out well, fun stuff. game number one. Yeah, exactly. Game number one. So here's who I am. Shoots five for five. Has some of that beautiful footwork that you talked about. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, looks graceful for a guy with that kind of midsection. You know, he's uh, and definitely put a new wrinkle in Portland's game. Now, let us not go overboard off of one game. There are going to be worse games than that, obviously. Uh, and, you know, it, it, we're not saying that Nurkic is going to be the solution or even a solution, but nah, he looked pretty good in game one. Eh? Yeah, you know, he did everything he needed to do. That's really what it came down to. My favorite part of the entire game, really, was when he got in the pick and roll with, with Damian Lillard defensively, and he sat down in, in that more conservative defensive approach and basically played the under and forced everything out. There was one particular play. I, mean, I, I need to go back and find this still because Lillard didn't fight over the screen, and Nurkic gave him the dirtiest look I've ever seen a big man give a guard for not fighting through his screen. And all of a sudden, Lillard fought through the screen like oh you're right and then he pushed up above it and i just couldn't help but stop just giggle like oh he's kind of a jerk in that aspect good that's what we need um i was on yeah, the radio I, with, with, with welcome with these to guys portland by the way yeah i was on the radio <laughs> with what chad doing after the game and the the thing that was so good to see and with the way this season has gone and as much as Chad is is the is the radio guy, he's he's as big a fan as anybody. And he was like a kid at Christmas. He had the same look on his face as I did when Nurkic caught the ball on the offensive rebound, spin, went to the left hand, and finished in traffic. Or when he caught it on the run, right-handed backside spin, finished left-handed on the run. I mean, that's something we haven't seen in Portland in Portland a very long time. And those are just small examples. But you can see he's he's a bear with ballerina feet. And his 
physicality is certainly there. I think he ended up with two offensive rebounds. I have to double check on that. But a few blocked shots. Um, he had four turnovers, but the four turnovers were, I think, one, part of his unfamiliarity, and two, he was trying to make plays. I don't mind turnovers when you're trying to make plays. I, I never, those have never really bothered me when they're the right plays, so to speak. You're trying to make something that makes sense. But yeah, Nurkic, from top to bottom, he, for me, yeah, I, I want to get hyped about him, but I want to see him more fully integrated in the offense and defense, obviously, before I make any real claims about anything. But man, as far as first performances go, you you can't really go much more, you know, right in, in the, than he did at almost every turn. Yeah, and those turnovers, if history is any indication, are going to be a permanent feature. Uh, but hey. Uh, Center. I mean, real center, <laughs> big center. You hey, know? legit seven footer. Yeah, I mean, Robin Lopez, sure. And Robin Lopez developed a pretty nice offensive game, but that was never that instinctive to him. And Nurkic, okay, there's something about his flow, the way he looks on the court, the way he's viewing the game and the court, that's just like, okay, I'm a big man. I was meant to be a big man. I'm never going to be anything but a big man. Here's what I do well. Let me do it, and I'm I'm going to produce for you. And like you said, I mean, that's, that's certainly not Mason Plumley. That's certainly not Ed Davis, although they can do things that Nurk can't, of course. But th- there is a legitimacy to his bigness and his skill set that is it's a little bit old school. It harkens back to... A, to Days when that was fairly standard, but it doesn't exist as much in today's NBA, of course. Now, the other big event of the weekend, ha-ha, big three-point contest. C.J. McCollum gets yeah. invited, and uh, he's going to take the world by storm. <laughs> Clay Thompson poo-poos him and laughs, throws down the gauntlet and says, this guy doesn't belong here. And, uh, well, Thompson turned out, at least in this case, to be mostly correct. Man, I don't know if, if it's C.J.'s shot not being three-point contesty enough. Or, or what? Because, I mean, he's a stone-cold shooter. And there are guys that have gone to that, the three-point shootout before that are knockdown shooters that haven't won it because they're they're better catching and shooting than they are taking the ball off the rack. Taking the ball off the rack is a weird thing. And I know it seems simple and everybody should be able to do it. It really is. It screws with people. Um, I've heard it a million times where it's something you need to spend, like, weeks preparing to do. Um to really get in a groove of how that's supposed to feel. Um, yeah. I mean, CJ's, uh, CJ's run at all-star weekend so far. He, he kind of, uh, CJ's the mid ranger though. I mean, he, who is that masked man? It's the mid ranger. That's how it really, his mid range game sets up his distance. Oh my game, God. Okay. And, how is and, that not trademarked? What? The mid ranger. Oh, the I've mid-ranger. said it like it. I've said I've said in like recaps at least three times this year. But anyway, uh, this is this is him, okay? And he's he's off the dribble. He's rhythm. He's he is a shooter, but he's not that kind of pure marksman. That's not. He's a score. He's a little more of a scorer than he's a shooter. Even though his percentages are high, he's got a scorer's mentality, scorer's game. Uh, Damian Lillard too, but see, Dame can. Dame, I feel like, steps up to the mental challenge. Like, anything you say I can't do or that I can win uh, doing it, I'm, I'm going to do it, right? And, and he's the kind of guy that just, if he gets hot, he can just can everything. Yeah. Not that Dame's won the thing either, but, no. uh, yeah, it's like CJ, it's just this This is not his thing. I'm I, A little more maybe in the skills contest I'd like to see him, but because he, he, he's kind of more that jack-of-all-trades that way. But, of course, he's not distinct and dazzling enough probably to crack that yet, and he's not a pure point guard enough. But, hey, didn't the center win it last year or something like that? So, uh, in any case, yeah, that was a much to do about nothing. The, the, the all-star game itself, what? <sighs> okay, what was it? I turned it off like to to the distance between here and Pluto was the score. Uh, what are the kids doing? 
Exactly. I mean, this, uh, the potential was there. Okay, you telling me that Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and etc. didn't have the the potential to score 200 points their teams didn't of course they did but somebody at some point must have been taking it a little more seriously than this uh, to have a 53 to 48 first quarter is this even basketball anymore and nobody's ever playing defense that's that's the thing is is that we used to wait we used to say that dan though we always quarter, said that though, the fourth quarter would lock we down we said that in the 90s, but no, we didn't know what we were talking about. This is really, really, really not playing defense. Yeah, it's it's something weird. It's entertaining in a, in a sense. This is probably the first All-Star game in close to 20 years that I didn't really care about. I just And it wasn't just because there was no Blazers participating. It was just one of those things where I just, it didn't have the hype, it didn't have the pizzazz. I don't know what you were want to call it. Like it just it wasn't all that entertaining. I turned it on for a couple minutes, then I'd turn on something else while I was working, and then I'd turn it back. Did it get any more exciting? Nope. You know, rinse and repeat a few times. And honestly, the, the more entertaining part of the weekend, the dunk contest was terrible. The three point contest was meh. The fourth quarter in the uh, the rookie sophomore rising stars challenge, the U.S. versus the world, that was probably the most entertaining aspect of the weekend. And I don't know if that speaks badly for the the whole All-Star Weekend as much as it says that there's a lot of young guys that are coming up that could be really entertaining and good for the league. But, yeah, yeah. it's just the, the All-Star game itself, man, it sucked. That's just the only way Dad, I can put it. They scored over 370 points. That's a combined 370 points. That's like two games. I mean, that's okay. So, look, uh, Anthony or a Davis. Ha- a game and a half against the Blazers defense? Yeah, okay, but I'm bummed. Yeah, very good. But not if they'd gotten cousins. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, you know. So, look. Anthony Davis gets to scoring record setting 52 points and blah, blah. Okay. BS. That's like one quarter's worth of scoring. That's like Michael Jordan got 35 points. That's what that is. In fact, it might even be Jordan got 30. Okay. That's what, that's how the ratio works. Anthony Davis did about one quarter's worth of scoring and got a set of record. Not because Anthony Davis is better than any all-star who's ever played. It's because, the kids aren't all right. I mean, so what's get off my lawn, this new generation. It's not exciting. Is it? I think that as much as we sit here and we lament the, uh, the style of the all-star game and that, yeah, well, there's never going to be any defense played. There's a level of defense that has to be played for it to be considered more, exhibition than skills demonstration. And I think it's a really yeah. fine line. Just put why just put the mascots out there with trampolines and call it a dunk contest. I mean that's basically what you're doing. This is this is the uh this is the 48 minute equivalent. I, I don't I I won't say it again. I'll say it again. I don't I don't ever want to see 200 points scored in a game in a 48 minute game. I don't ever want to see 370 points. If you score 350 points, you have a problem. You should cap out it, 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 much like King's ownership. If you, the 24 players on the court, are looking at 300 points that you put up in regulation, you need to go to a program. You need to change your life. You are really bad at something, (laughs) and it's mostly defense. So seriously, like, never again. Let's have it resemble a game somewhat. Otherwise, yeah, I might as well get action figures and just go ahead and run up the score or just get a couple AAU teams out there who actually care about something. You know, when we're talking about stupid things, I just saw that flash across NBA TV that I must have missed this when it updated this morning that Omri Caspi was also included with DeMarcus Cousins in the trade. I know. I kind of like Caspi. It's like (laughs) I've always had a soft spot for him. I mean, I know he's not the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I mean, he's a little crust of bread at least. And I, I kind of, I, but I, I mean, enjoy he's Cass- basically just thrown in now. I mean, I, God, this, I'm trying to figure out how this trade could get any worse. And it, 
like the one other asset on the Kings that you could probably, I'm half expecting them to give Willie Holy Stein to somebody now. They didn't throw him in too. No, <laughs> the triple no. tower. No, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just crazy at this point. But yeah, the all-star weekend is one of those things. It, it's supposed to be more than what it's been this weekend. And I think the fact that DeMarcus Cousins, not that it's not a huge deal, but the fact that his trade kind of overshadowed everything else kind of says what this weekend was all. I mean, really the biggest storyline, if, if you want to believe that, it was, was Westbrook and Durant. And that how quickly did that fade? Like, nobody really okay. cared come, to come time for tip for the All-Star game. There was a famous WWE matchup wherein Hulk Hogan faced off against Shawn Michaels. And basically, they ended up at odds with each other. And Michaels tanked the whole match by completely overselling Hogan's offense. And Hogan was like 68 years old at this time. So it just looked ridiculous that Michaels basically bounced all over, completely overacted and did everything. And and it just looked bad. And that's basically what, I mean, this is, this was the Hogan Michaels all-star game. Uh, better get in Brock Lesnar and John Cena, or at least Bill Goldberg next year, or let's just forget. That. I mean, what 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 would happen if you turned tuned into a Major League Baseball game and the score was basically fifty six to forty two? Like, okay, no, this is not okay. That's not baseball anymore. That's where we are now. Stupid trades. Let's end with some trades. There's got to be. We got to rinse all of this out of our minds, except for Kate Upton. I like that intro, so she can stay in mind. Anyway, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about stupid Rubio. trades? Yeah, let's go right down to, down to the Timberwolves. They seem to believe that that yeah. Chris Dunn is going to be their their point guard of the future. So they're looking to move Ricky Rubio. Now, the one we've heard about before is, is Reggie Jackson with Detroit which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. um, considering the Pistons apparently are trying to blow things up because the reports are out there. <laughs> you want to talk about the uh, the Kings being stupid. Um, reports are out there that they offered Andre Drummond for DeMarcus Cousins. Whoa. Yeah. <sighs> so that one's out there. Stop. Yeah. Um, okay, let's stop right there. Let's, <laughs> let's cut in right here. If, if Andre Drummond is available, would you go get him? That free throw percentage drives me crazy, but yeah, I mean, that that okay. that's, that's a monster so now, right there. Not, not to rinse, lather, repeat, but it cost you C.J. McCollum. Would you still go get him? <sighs> God, that's terrible. I don't know. Cousins is more. Drummond gives you more defensively, but Cousins is more of a two-way player. So I don't know if I could do it. That free uh, free throw yeah. percentage just kills me. It, I mean, it's just. It's just so bad. It's so it hurts you in so many possessions. And people are like, oh, it's only X amount of possessions. Yeah, you know what? The average margin of victory in a game is five points. And if your guys up there choking away from the possessions necessary for you to win a game in the regular season or the playoffs, that's uh, not a fan. Eight hundred billion rebounds, and I just okay. I would like. Andre Drummond to be a trailblazer so that the trailblazers never have to play against Andre Drummond again because nightmare disaster terminator. He's had some of his best games against Portland. God, I wish the blazers could get him right now without giving up the guard. (laughs) If if you compare them together. Yeah. Because can we do, can we do the Myers Leonard thing? You know, you guys, we were, we were two picks away from, you know, like Drummond and Lillard. Look, can we, can we just like send back Myers Leonard and, and some compensation and get Drummond now because I would do that. I just find it ironic that the Pistons are this quickly going to blow up Reggie Jackson, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and Andre Drummond. I mean, on paper, that's a that's a pretty damn good team. Um, but yeah, so the Pistons are looking to blow stuff up. The Timberwolves are looking to get rid of their non-shooting ace passing point guard. But beyond Reggie Jackson, there's a rumor out there that there may be a deal in place for Derrick Rose. No. Like, okay, if we're talking about organizations that double down on stupidity, it's the Sacramento Kings and the New York Knicks. Why would you why would you give them anything? Just, no nobody first of all, nobody should trade for Derrick Rose. No. That should just be again, you can we can now have a therapy group of you've gone too far, and anyone who trades for Derrick Rose at this point has gone too far. So yeah, no, um The only justification Rubio, for it is Rose's yeah. deal comes up at the end of this year. 
Sure. And basically, you're just you're you're salary cap dumping, and you're handing the keys to Chris Dunn. That's the if you re-sign Derrick Rose for anything more than the MLE at that point, you've gone too far. Well, and nobody should believe Chris Dunn. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> just, okay, okay. Let's put it this way. Portland's looking. I've got the strategy. Portland is doing nothing, and their power ranking as far as front office is rising exponentially <laughs> because of everyone else sucking majorly all around them. Like, you don't have to good, look good anymore. Just don't look stupid. Uh, in any case, Ricky Rubio, I have loved this guy for time immemorial. And it's like a bad relationship. It's like a bad girlfriend. Like, she is amazing. If only she didn't cheat on me, it would be um, fantastic. Uh, Ricky Rubio, if he had any kind of a jumper, this guy would be so money. His defense, his so passing, his court vision, his inventiveness. He's, he's the best point guard that nobody cares about. He would be the point guard of this generation. Oh, as far as pure passing he goes, he's, he's a flipping jumper. Guy. I mean, yeah. he, and people want to talk about defense. He's a six foot four point guard who can absolutely positively drive you crazy defensively. He's one of the best pick and roll if, defenders in the league in the position. I will go. I will go this far. If he had a reasonably pure three-point shot, let's say just thirty-eight percent, thirty-six percent, just to where you had to step out. I'm on thirty-eight because of the comparison I'm about to make. All right, right, a thirty-eight percent at three-point line and associated, you know, reasonably decent at mid-range. He would compare compare favorably to John Stockton, not in terms of assists or ability, but just in terms of John Stockton was the point guard of his generation. There were better players in the league, but Stockton, you looked at him and you said, you want an archetypal point guard? This is the guy of this decade. Ricky Rubio would be that, and he's not because somewhere between here, it's like he's shooting underwater, the light ends and uh, <laughs> dropping the quarter down on the little spinning thing and you think it's going to end and it doesn't and the thing it, is, it's his just, jumper doesn't look bad it's it's not like Joachim Noah it, out there where you're just like no it, it just doesn't yeah, it kills work me. Yeah, it's like, what? Okay, this is Ricky Rubio's jumper is the project that your dad spent 12 hours on Saturday doing that should have taken half an hour. He flips up the car hood and goes, this is simple. It's going to take half an hour. And 12 hours later, he's still out there swearing and it's still not completely fixed. And he just shuts the hood and it's same as it was before. And he deals with it. That's Rubio's jumper. And uh, God help him. You know, I, I, I wish he had turned out better, but R Rose for Rubio. Eh. I like Rubio a lot better than I like Derek Rose at this point. Your salary point is, is on target. Jackson for Rubio. What does Minnesota want out of Reggie Jackson? What What are they going to do with him? This seems very Minnesota-ish. Yeah, this seems like Minnesota-ish. Like, okay, we've got a player that we don't kind of like, so we're going to trade him away for something else that we also won't kind of like. The thing is, is Jackson's a legit pick-and-roll guard. And yeah. if you want to have the the dual threat of the pick and roll, pick and pop, and the ability to step back and knock a shot down, I, I get that. But the thing is, is, he's already getting paid, and Wiggins is going to get paid, and Cat is going to get paid, and Chris Dunn is going to get paid. Um, who, well, who's, Kat, not, look, who's not going to get paid in here? Jackson is the kind of guy you need to put on an already winning team with a Jackson sized hole in it, yeah. not on a team with kind of still finding its way with ill-defined positions and talent levels. And you expect him to take you to the next level because he's not going to do that. He's just, it's just not him. Right. So, Minnesota, I think that's that's kind of a dangerous move. I, I think I'd almost rather have Rubio, even with his faults, because at least Rubio is going to get a lot of other people involved devil, on a know, given dude. night. Yeah, well, exactly. But yeah, I mean, okay, so what about Wiggins? I mean, Cat 
Cat's the guy, although his stock is, I don't want to say it's fallen. He's just not getting as much attention this year. But Cat is, oh my gosh, drool all over my toes. This guy is everything you'd want in a basketball player. Love this. Um, Dunn, <laughs> I'm not as high on him as some, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Wiggins is the big question mark, though. What's with this dude? Is this dude, you know, the next coming of the resurrection or is he terminally overrated? A lot of people likened him to LeBron coming out because of the hype surrounding him. Uh, it took him a little while, but heading into the all-star break back to back 40 points. Um, one of those games against LeBron. Uh, he did get nutmegged <laughs> with LeBron throwing the, the bounce pass through his legs on the run left-handed might be LeBron's best pass of his career. Um, but beyond that, Wiggins is turning into a heck of a player. Uh, he His jumper is improving. He had uh, next to none as far as consistency was concerned when he came in the league. It's improving. It's still not there yet. Um, he doesn't really get assists, but he gets the free throw line. He can pretty much take anybody he wants to off the bounce. To me, right now, he's DeMar DeRozan in like year six or seven in year two of Wiggins. He is a slasher through and through. He is a point getter, and he has all the potential to be a great defender. He's not LeBron. He's a physical freak, but he's not, you know, 50 pounds heavier than everybody else's position like LeBron is. So... Is he really that great of a defender, though? Because... <laughs> His yeah. numbers uh, split him at average, but from everybody that I've talked to around that organization, people that have worked with him, and as far as... His intangibles, his ability, it's more of a mental thing than anybody else. Or in, than anything else, I should say. Not anybody else. It's yeah. it's understanding the game through. There's very, very few people in the NBA who year one, year two, year, th year three are even okay defenders. It's not mm -hmm. until usually year four or five where you become good to average or even great. Kawhi Leonard notwithstanding, Draymond Green notwithstanding. Um, those are guys that just got it. But well, they, I mean, this question was asked to me too. I mean, in a Blazers spin on it, like I, I've been asked a couple of times now, why, why, uh, for instance, McCollum and Lillard specifically aren't better defenders? Why can't they become better defenders? Now, when Wiggins' case, as you said, it's it's easy to forget. Dude's twenty one years old. He's still. A I mean, kid. he came into the league a baby. Yeah, and he's in his third season. Uh, CJ and Dame are beyond that. Um, should be developing, whether they are beauties in the eye of the beholder, of course, uh, but largely not, I'd say. And it's like, I think that to be, be a good defender, a, a few situations incubate that. One is, that's your gift, right? That, that you have a natural instinct for it, and it's part of the greater package. Two, I think you could be a good defender if you're just hyper-aggressive physically, that kind of uh, attitude where no one's going to take anything from you, that you're going to just go get it all, and, and you, you just physically go at people the like The Delavadovas of the world. Sure. Uh, but the number three, when I think quality that most often develops decent defenders into great defenders is you realize that if you don't defend, you're not going to eat that basically you're in this league for something and it's not going to be scoring 20 points a game. So you want to keep making, you know, between four and $12 million a year, which salary that's awful hard to replace. You better defend. And I think that's basically what turns guys into uh, decent defenders. There's an incentive there. Now, you look at Dame and CJ, well, <laughs> they don't have an instinct for it. We've seen that. They're aggressive in a sense, but they're pretty cool aggressive, and it's mostly on offense. It's like, yeah, we, we've got this. They're smooth. They're not like animals. And, and, and incentive there is none i mean they're olshay's prime jewels in the crown they're making approximately 82 billion dollars a year apiece where's where's the incentive and i'm not saying that they wouldn't be trying i'm not saying that i, I i'm not impugning them by saying that i'm just saying there's a difference between 
being up against the edge of the cliff and you know you got to pull yourself up or you're gone, you find a reserve of strength you didn't know was there that you don't get like bicycling on your banana seat down the street, right? And yeah, you think about the, guys like Draymond. I mean, your second round draft pick on a team is loaded with with scores and potential. You're not getting shots, so how do you see the court? You play defense. Kawhi Leonard is out there with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, and he's just a project. How do you get on the court? Play defense. Wesley Matthews. Oh, and by the way, (laughs) those vets, yeah, those vets on San Antonio will pull you aside, as will your coach, but I I doubt the coach has to. I mean, sure, Pop will bark at him, I'm sure, but I bet you he got an earful or two from a few people. Like, Rook, you may be good, but, well, he wasn't a rookie when he came to him, or maybe he was. I forget when he got traded. But in any case, you know, young guy, you may be good, but you, you're you not this good. You're, you're not good enough to walk on this court and disrespect what we do by not being an integral part of the, our defensive chain. And again, you look at this, if that's part of the key, did Damian Lillard have that? Did C.J. McCollum have that? Basically, the road's been paved for them. That there's There wasn't anyone to challenge them except maybe Aldridge. And by all reports, uh, Aldridge was going to lose those battles. I mean, that, that the future of the franchise was young and it was shiny. And that might have been part of the reason why he left. So and it started in there, college. I mean, yeah. you look at Damon and CJ, they're both four-year guys at small schools where their job wasn't to play defense. Their job was to score 27 points a night and help their their schools win. That's how they helped, was run the offense and get buckets all night long. So, and uh, well, I guess you coaching, although I think coaching's overrated, but, you know, Terry Stotts and Tom Thibodeau are different people uh, and have different coaching styles and stuff. Stotts is just much more of an offensive coach. So you have basically zero factors that develop, you know, defensive potential. Not that they don't develop it at all, but, you know, the, the, the crucible that you need in order to tap that part of yourself that that heat just isn't on uh, these two guards the way it is on on different players. And so I, I think in some ways it might be as simple as environmental. And then you, you can also throw in the the, you know, the, the biological components of it, too, in that Wiggins is six foot seven, lightning fast, strong as a bull and has the length and size to match up between one through three and even some stretch fours. And mm-hmm. Damon CJ just don't have that. So. Right. They got that tricky athleticism. I mean, yes, they've got hops, but look, they're they're not they don't trade on a crap ton of lateral quickness. No, neither uh, one of them or strength, right? It's they're crafty, they're smart. By the way, this was the same thing about Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy's athletic ability was was demeaned when he was in the draft they were like this guy's nba ready but he's not that much of an athlete well it turned out that he had some kind of scoring gps that like always hit home no u-turns required right legal or otherwise so ask he, jake Som about he, his athleticism yeah well i mean he can tell you okay. all about brandon roy's hops I know, but a lot of guys can go straight. If you give them an open path, a lot of NBA guys can dunk like fiends. But look, Roy Roy didn't score 20 a game because he was athletically dominant. It's because he was crafty. Well, people start complaining. Why is this guy not defending? Well, part of it is it wasn't his role, but part of it was also he wasn't that wasn't his body. To, to bolster your point, he just, he, there are different kinds of athleticism and his wasn't defensive and Lillard's and McCollum's kind of halfway aren't either. Yeah, it's, 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 that's the, the nature of the, the genetic selection process there. Yeah. They're, they're superior athletes. Don't go, don't, don't get that twisted at all. It's just, there's very, very different levels of athletes in the NBA. If, if anybody's ever been on an NBA court or been on a basketball court with somebody who's just a top-flight college player, they will tell you how explosive an athlete that they are. When you take that into the, the upper percentages of the NBA, it's it's a, it's a level that you just can't truly fathom. And there is there are levels within the levels in the NBA. That's what's scary and when we criticize or we talk about somebody being having this or not having that, it's not necessarily a slight. It's just it's the reality of the situation. And it's kind of hard to, to parse it all out 
but that's what makes all of this. I don't know. It, it's it makes it fun, but it also makes it really interesting, especially this time of year when you have so much going on a trade deadline. You're trying to fit those pieces together. Yeah, you can't manufacture what's not there. And basically, the players who are all around everything's are very rare and usually very not available unless of course <laughs> they play in Sacramento and we will probably leave it there don't you think i mean we've come full circle now uh I go have another drink uh, a drink i probably could have traded for demarcus cousins had i known he was available you're just trading that so, bud light up for some 12 year scotch come on now Bud Light. I could trade half a Bud Light. I don't even like Bud Light. I mean, it's okay. I bet you Vivek does. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. And by the way, Bud Light, if you'd like to sponsor this contest, give me a call and I will immediately like you or at least lie about it. So, in any case, uh, let's wrap it up here. Well, for Dave Deckard, I'm Dan Morang. This is the Blazers Edge Podcast. As again, as always, you can find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, and anywhere else for your podcast needs. Like us, follow us, review us. Do all the good stuff. Until then, let's go Blazers!